1: Welcome to another episode of the Swamp 247 podcast. I am your host, Graham Hall. Joined once again this week, I'm a lucky man by Jacob Rudner. We are here to talk Florida's homecoming battle, a mid-afternoon matchup with the Vanderbilt Commodores, a team that normally I would say the Gators would have no trouble with, but last year that was not the case as the Gators fell for the first time in more than three decades to the Commodores in Nashville This team doesn't quite look as equipped as last year's team. I think you saw the main weapon from that last year's team, although they do do still have some really good players, let me be clear. But Ray Davis is no longer with the Commodores. He is with Kentucky, and he still did some damage to the Gators, as fans found out this past week. But we're going to talk about this year's team. To quote Billy Napier, this is 2023. This is a different Vanderbilt team, and we're going to dive right into it. Jacob, just briefly, let's go over what the Commodores uh, look like this season. And just from a numbers perspective, where do they rank coming into this matchup?
2: Yeah, this is uh, your classic Vandy team. This is a squad that's not very inspiring. Uh, they have a win over Hawaii and Alabama AM, open the season 2 0. Uh, didn't look great in those games. 35 28 win over the Rainbow Warriors uh, in late August. Uh, and a 47-13 win over Alabama and a which is a little more comfortable. Since then, tough sledding. A loss to Wake Forest, a loss to UNLV, a loss to Kentucky, and most recently, a loss to Missouri. Uh, not too close of games in any of those contests. The closest was 40-37 against UNLV, uh, which has been a substandard program now for quite some time. Uh, you go over the numbers for this squad, not great. Uh, offensively, Having a hard time running the ball, 118th in the country with just 2.7 yards per carry uh, against FBS opponents, 55.98% completion, uh, 97th in the country against FBS schools. And When I say that, I mean uh, these statistics are only from contests in which the Commodores have faced an FBS team on the other sideline. So any any stats against FCS opponents don't count uh, for the rankings that I'm mentioning right now. 5.15% uh, sacks on, on, on total offensive plays that's okay. 54th in the country. So they've protected the quarterback at a decent rate, but again, you know, you go through the the opponents so far this season and, and I don't know how much you can really learn. I mean, the Kentucky game is, is, is a good one. Uh, you know, just considering Kentucky is, is a pretty good looking team. Uh, and, and the Commodores were able to hold their own from a pass protection standpoint in that contest, but still lost 45, 28. So it's not like they made that very competitive. Uh, 7.6 7.6 yards per pass on the season is, again, it's solid, 55, 55th in the country, not, not the greatest. It, it, it's not moving the needle. Um, few, few Vanderbilt teams do uh, on an annual basis, but we said that last year, and they beat Florida. And so you do have to look uh, at who's doing what for this team. You have guys like Will Shepard, the wide receiver. He's very talented. Uh, 32 receptions for 443 yards, which is impressive. Seven touchdowns already on the season, which is excellent. Uh, He's certainly somebody who Florida will have to keep an eye on. Uh, Patrick Smith, the running back, 57 attempts for 238 yards. Uh, He's averaging 4.2 yards a pop uh, and has scored twice. So, uh, you know, not going to be the biggest test for Florida's defense in this game. I think that it's kind of a great opportunity uh, to get right. If you're Florida, I think one thing that really stands out to me as you watch the film on Vanderbilt a little bit is there is a turnover uh, proneness that exists within this offense. They do rank 102nd in the country in turnover margin. uh, 3.8% on interceptions, which ranks 100th. Not a good team in terms of taking care of the ball. Uh, Florida only has one takeaway on the season. So far, Billy Napier has made a point now on a weekly basis pretty much uh, that they will need to be better in that category. We've written about that. Over at Swamp247.com, this is a good opportunity, and I know we're going to get into kind of opportunity and what and what this could look like for Florida. But as far as reviewing the Vanderbilt offense goes, I think in short, this is not a unit that should challenge the Florida defense based on everything we know about the unit, even considering how it performed, you know, against Kentucky. Uh, I would still like to think that you know that was more of an outlier performance, just in terms of missed tackles. Uh, it was the worst tackling performance by a Florida team since PFF even became a thing. Uh, and so I don't know that that's going to be something that we see a whole bunch again from the Gators on the defensive side. Uh, this is not a Vanderbilt team that has a whole bunch in the skill player d- uh, department. Quarterback play hasn't been great. Offensive line play is okay, but against bad teams and against good teams, you know, the Commodores have been blown out. Uh, the doors are wide open, Graham, for Florida to take advantage in this game uh, and get a comfortable win, look good on defense. Uh, and, and, and honestly, just, you know, take advantage of some what should be pretty poor play from, from the opposing team.
1: Yeah, I posed this question to Billy Napier Wednesday night. I asked him about the amount of missed tackles in that game against the Wildcats because that was something we discussed the other day on the podcast. If you haven't listened to it, check it out, our Tuesday episode. We talked about the missed tackles and just how much that wasn't something we had seen to start the season, so we really hadn't pointed at it as an issue. I mean, they had missed, what, three tackles when they went out there to Salt Lake City. That was not really the the point that we um, – had tried to hammer home when we talked about Florida's defense. It was other aspects that we were highlighting that were really good and some that needed improvement. And this Vanderbilt offense is not nearly as potent as some of the ones that Florida has faced this season already. But I do think a lot of the focus continues to be if the defensive performance is an outlier, as we've mentioned, a lot of the focus is rightfully on Florida's offense. The, the offensive line Florida establishing the run. It looks like in this game, since we last had an episode, Florida's going to be without several offensive linemen. If you missed any coverage, go to swamp247.com to get the latest of what Florida's depth chart is looking like and maybe who could be on the field if the Gators don't have some of their starters able to go. From Kingsley at center, who is listed as questionable again, to Austin Barber, who is questionable on the depth chart. How will Florida be able to establish the run if they lack the continuity that Billy Napier has pointed to That is so important for this team to get on track and to be able to play where they believe this unit is capable of playing at. So for Florida's offense, the focus this week, it's in my opinion, Jacob, it's going against a defense that statistically is not impressive. And they're going to look to show uh, that they are, are capable of establishing the run and that this offense is able to generate some explosion in the downfield passing game against this secondary that is not going to be one of the better ones they face moving forward. I mean, that's what you're looking for, I would assume, but what other aspects of the offense are you looking to see Florida execute on Saturday afternoon against the doors?
2: Yeah. I mean, it's a good question. I think as much as I'm going to be looking for Florida to tackle better and continue to be sound in its past defense, equally, we will have to be focused Uh, on how its offense looks so far this season. It's going to be facing a defense, like you said, Graham, that is not very impressive. Statistically has gotten kind of gashed in every phase so far on the season. Nothing really particularly standing out uh, in terms of defensive performance from the Gators. Uh, You know, 4-2-5 scheme that they're going to be facing. So, you know, that nickel defense is going to be common against the Gators. Will that allow for, you know, more downfield passing? I think if Charlotte was any indicator. I, I'm not so sure that Florida is going to try to be too aggressive in its downfield passing game. I think it's content uh, to try and, and and live in that short to intermediate range. And whether that's because uh, that's, you know, just what Billy Napier feels like he has in his quarterback, Graham Mertz. And that's what will allow Mertz to continue to be as efficient and effective uh, as he's been so far this season. Uh, you know, possibly it could be about skill positions too, or, or, you know, pass protection. It's hard to run deeper plays because those take longer to develop. Um, I do think if there's one thing that I I will have an eye on this weekend with the Florida offense, it's how well do they keep grammar? clean. That's not something that we've seen Florida do so far this season with any form of consistency. And this is another opportunity to prove that it can even with backup linemen in the game, the Commodores are not picking up a whole bunch of sacks just 4.55% of the time uh, against FBS opponents. It's 103rd in the country. So this isn't really a disruptive unit. They're allowing a lot of yards per attempt through the air, 8.5. That's also outside the top 100 nationally. Teams are completing almost 70% of their passes against the Commodores, which is another indicator uh, that you know, front seven play has not been very disruptive. And then you look at Florida, which is a team that does have a very high completion percentage, uh, with Graham Mertz being right around that 80 mark, uh, which is historically good at the University of Florida. I, I think that this is a great opportunity for the Gators to be efficient maybe not necessarily as explosive as I think fans would like them to see, but, you know, effective nonetheless. Um, I I don't anticipate a whole bunch of bad completions in this game Uh, for the Gators. I I can honestly see this being a route uh, and and one that Florida really needs. I I think that this is – and also, you know, before I even move on, I I should mention offensive line play will directly impact the ability to run the ball, and Florida has not done that well so far this year either. Um, It's actually been a real struggle for Florida to get things going on the ground – especially when you compare it to what they were able to do last year. But you look at the numbers and again, opportunity, you know, Vanderbilt's allowing 4.2 yards a pop against FBS opponents. That's something that Florida is at least, you know, in my opinion, talent wise is equipped to be able to beat uh, and, and do so quite handily. Uh, whether or not they're able to do it to me would, would be a concern or not a concern. Uh, Florida's averaging 4.9 yards per carry so far this season against FBS teams. They're outside the top 100 uh, in per play rushing production, and they're facing a team that's outside the top 100 uh, in in total defense. And so I think that, you know, really this weekend, we need to see uh, an efficacy and an efficiency that that we haven't quite seen from the Gators so far this season, save for the performance where they score 49 points uh, against McNeese. And so I'm, I'm I'm looking for a McNeese-like blowout in this game, especially from Florida's offense. I, I just expect it to be able to have room to operate on the ground, the air, uh, based on what it's facing. And, and so there's really no excuse for for a non-blowout this week. But I will say this, I do think Florida's capable. Um, I, I am not doubting the Gators' ability to win in a game where it should be packed in the swamp. Uh, I think the fans have the opportunity to make, to make an impact in this game the same way that they did against Tennessee, and, and this is against a lesser opponent that Florida really should blow out uh and 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 so you, know, you put all that together fans uh the environment being at home where Florida was really played well under Billy Napier and and you know also Vanderbilt's just inability to, to to play consistently good defense I I like Florida's chances to have a nice offensive game on Saturday
0: And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price.
1: I think that kind of brings us to one of our keys to the game in my mind because I was going to mention just the crowd atmosphere because I talked about this the other day. This is, you know, you've seen how bad Florida can be when they've gone on the road. But at home, this is a team that plays a lot better I think that they do have that edge about them at home. They just benefit from playing there and finding that, uh, bottling it. So when you go on the road, you can play up to, I hate to say standards because that sounds like, you know, coach speak in a sense, but really what you're capable of playing to that that's really the key here for Florida. I don't really doubt their ability to play well at home. I know that they have had some disappointing losses at home. In the Billy Napier era, LSU comes to mind when Jaden Daniels had that. You know career six touchdown performance last year i'm not saying it never happens but against an opponent like this it should give florida an edge in the game and that's definitely one of my keys to the game along with graham mertz continuing to stay efficient you know i've said time and time again that he's not the problem with this team but right now and you know he's actually playing an extremely high level don't you know make no doubt about it but if he is not on the mark and that doesn't continue this team obviously has a chance to be even worse than it has already been because you talk about self-inflicted wounds. If there's more turnovers or fumbles or just a failure to execute in the red zone, no matter, you know, whether it's a missed block in the backfield or a wide receiver running the wrong route, if Florida's self-inflicted mistakes or inability to capitalize on situations comes to fruition against the doors, you know, that is absolutely going to be something that makes this team, uh, potentially even worse than we've already seen. So Graham Mertz remaining efficient is absolutely one of my second keys to the game. And then I'm going to just shout out another player. Montrell Johnson has to get going. I think he knows it. He understands that he is a weapon more than he has displayed within this offense. I think that he was extremely limited against Utah. He never had a chance to really get going. And then they didn't go to him as the game progressed. You've seen him get a lion's share of the carries recently. And I think that getting him some I hate to say he lacks confidence because I don't know that whatsoever, but getting him a chance to just get back to what he was doing, break off some long runs against a subpar defensive unit, no disrespect to the doors. I just think that if he can get going and take some of the pressure off of that backfield, the offensive line, doubting their ability to create holes right now, that, that would go a long way in some momentum for Florida moving forward because there have been calls for Trevor Etienne to play a larger role and you and I have talked about where Etienne is as uh, a pass blocker and ways that he can improve in that regard and how maybe that dictates his usage within this Florida offense at times I think for Montrell to continue showing that he he is the number 1 back on this team as good as Etienne is This is a chance for him to go out and do that, in my mind, with ETN listed as questionable. So he is absolutely my third key to the game. I may have stolen some of yours, Jacob, but the floor is all yours. Just where are you coming at for your keys to the game? What does Florida need to do? I know I gave some offensive ones and a crowd noise, but defensively, this is a unit that wants to have a bounce-back performance, right? If they had a very uncharacteristic performance against a, a pretty good, I think, Kentucky offense you can say that in retrospect but not really a passer that tore them apart it was a lot of missed tackles, some stuff that a lot of Florida fans have seen before maybe some concerning things what are you looking for out of this game maybe from Florida's defense or maybe there's an offensive aspect that I didn't I didn't go to
2: sure I I think we can start definitely on the defensive side and I would say that it's twofold for me one uh Florida needs to tackle better I think that's the low-hanging fruit key to the game uh, can't be missing 19 tackles in a game like like it did against Kentucky. Obviously, we saw what that turns into. Um, and let's not discount what Vanderbilt did to Florida last year. Vanderbilt beat Gators in Nashville, and I think that you could easily peg part of that Florida loss on missed tackles. Uh, Ray Davis, who <laughs> – you know, Ray, Ray Davis did it again against the Gators, against Kentucky, but it was him last year too. He, he ran for almost 122 yards uh, in Nashville in, in that Vanderbilt win over the Gators that can't happen again. And and of course there is no Ray Davis to do it, Uh, but certainly, you know, Florida will have to handle the ground game. Uh, Can't allow 19 missed tackles. Can't even allow really 200 yards uh, of opposing rushing because that is a recipe for disaster. And I'm not going to necessarily call this a key to the game on the defensive side of the ball, but I think it would be nice to see. uh, So you can throw it in that category. Like I said earlier, would love to see some turnovers from this Gator defense, uh, it was in position to grab one against Kentucky. Jason Marshall dropped what I thought would have been a pick six. Uh, this is not nearly the same caliber opponent. A good opportunity to, to, to get on the board a little bit more uh, and creating some extra offensive possessions via the defense, getting some takeaways, putting some extra points on the board. Uh, so not a key. I think Florida can easily win with a zero turnover game, but would it'd be a really refreshing thing, I think, for Florida fans to see uh, this defense creates some turnovers. Offensively, I'm going to keep this to one thing and one thing only because it's so important. Keep Graham Mertz clean. I have it written in all caps in my notes. Uh, it, it, it hasn't happened. It just hasn't happened so far this year. Uh, we saw it happen for half of the Tennessee game, which was enough. Uh, Florida was able to do the vast majority of its damage, 26 of 29 points before halftime. Uh, didn't keep them so clean in the second half, and we saw the result, three-point second half. Uh, Gators were not able to keep Graham clean against Kentucky. Gators get blown out. Uh, Gators were not able to keep him very clean against Charlotte, which picked up three sacks. Florida only scores uh, seven seven points, one touchdown. uh, The rest on field goal production from Trey Smack, five field goals. Uh, That is a key to the game, absolutely. A non-clean pocket, a dirty pocket uh, is a disaster, in my opinion, in this game. I I, I just don't think uh, Vanderbilt is potent enough in its front seven to really give Gator the Gators any problems, especially if you have some of Florida's starting offensive linemen out there, which you will, Richie Leonard is expected to play. Uh, Micah Mazuka is expected to play. Damian George is, is expected to play. And let's not pretend Graham, like, you know, let's say Austin Barber sits this one out, which I think is a distinct possibility at this point in the week. You're, we're still going to see Lindell Hudson, who's a critical piece of this Florida offensive line is that swing tackle Billy Napier said that we're going to see Cam Waits, who's less than 10 months removed from an Achilles tear. Good opportunity for him to get going uh, and, and, and get into the flow of things and what should be an easier game. That matters a lot. And, and, and so, you know, will Florida be missing Kingsley at Guacan and, and have, you know, Jake Slaughter up the middle? Yes. Is that not how things are supposed to look for this offensive line? No, they're not. But, but again, I think Jake Slaughter should be more than capable of handling this opponent. I think the same can be said for, Uh, Lindell Hudson and Cameron Waits. Uh, And so I I just, this can't be a game where you struggle up front. It it just simply can't be. And I'm going to throw one more key to the game out there, and that's on special teams. Please, please don't have fewer than 10 or fewer than 11 guys on the field. Uh, Florida, I think that we are at a point now where that would be really demoralizing. Uh, And so the key to the game for me on special teams will be to do the things that are required of. SEC, Division One Power Five football teams, uh, and that is putting the adequate number of players on the field at all times. That's not allowing punts to get overhead and then bounce inside the 20 when you could have easily fielded it around the 30 to 35 yard line and saved some of the hidden yardage that exists in a football game. Uh, you know, Don't leap over offensive linemen on punts that are going to give opposing teams an extra set of downs and touchdowns. Uh, don't have multiple number threes on the field or multiple of any number on the field for that matter. Uh, shanking punts wouldn't do that either. Uh, kick returns, let them go out the back of the end zone if they're not returnable or they're too deep. These are just some of the things that I think we've seen, uh, from Florida special teams in recent weeks and, and even dating back to last season. And it would be, I think, uh, pretty upsetting, uh, if they continue to occur, This is a game where Florida has an opportunity to show progress in every single phase, and I think that doing so is really important.
1: Yeah, flawless performance would, I think, just go a long way to easing those concerns that have developed. I mean, mistakes happen. I'm not someone who is super always prone to indicting a unit over mistakes, but when they continue to happen, I can absolutely see why there would be criticism that's valid and concern that's there. So Florida has a chance to ease those concerns this week for the game. Someone who I just have to mention, cause you brought him up, give cam weights, massive props for his ability to come back, you know, six foot eight cam weights suffers a non-contact, you know, injury during a drill in January tears, his Achilles tendon, many people would have thought his entire year was gone and he could pick up where he left off at this time next year, but he attacked, it must've attacked his rehab. I mean, there are some athletes that it takes them more than a year to come back from that. So for him to be able to do that and now be on the field nine months later, I think that's just, we talk so much about the game and the storylines, but from player highlight standpoint, that is someone that, just deserves his props when he steps on the field on Saturday. And no matter how many snaps he ends up playing, because we'll have to see what Florida's offensive line does look like. It's just very impressive in my mind that weights is back and able to contribute. And I can't help, but feel good for him that he's going to be able to see the field this year.
2: No doubt. I think that it's it's extremely impressive. The level of progress. I spoke to Billy Napier one-on-one a couple weeks ago. Uh, about Cameron Waits specifically. And and one thing he told me is that this is nothing short of miraculous. I mean, it's a huge, huge player. This is a guy who is massive. Uh, Rob Sale, Florida's co-offensive line coach, compared his body type to a refrigerator when we first talked to Rob Sale uh, after Cameron Waits transferred to Florida in the spring of 2022. Uh, and he's not wrong. Six foot eight guy, 375 pounds, uh, and he's back on the field. He, we saw him actually make his his game debut uh, against Kentucky as a member of Florida's special teams unit. He was on the, out there for a field goal uh, protection. And uh, now it sounds like he has an opportunity to play some offense a little bit. So I'm excited to see uh, exactly what Cam Waits looks like after you know some time away from the game uh, and, and truly how ready he is to be out there. I do think, and I've said this on the Swamp 247 message board, that he is a talented player, somebody with a whole lot of potential in this game. And uh, it should be should good. I think, I think it's, it'll be interesting, to say the least. Uh, to see where he's at and and maybe get a little bit of a measuring stick on him as far as how much he might be able to contribute against some higher level opponents as Florida gets into the second half of its schedule.
1: Speaking of refrigerators, I made something pretty cold last week. That was my take on the Florida Kentucky game. It did not pan out the way I envisioned. I thought Florida was going to win a close contest. 24 20 is what I picked and that did not play out whatsoever. But I get another week at redemption, as do you, Jacob, to be correct once again in your prediction. It is all fresh. It's another opportunity to compete with our predictions, with ourselves, to see who can be the wisest one when it comes to analyzing how this game will play out. Those 60 minutes of football will unfold on the field, Jacob. So now we are going to give our predictions. I hope you are ready because I've been thinking about this one, and I'm not going to let... The loss shake me from my belief that what I said earlier, this is a better team at home, that they're better than what they've proven. I know they're banged up. I'm not I'm not minimizing that whatsoever, but this is a different Vanderbilt team. No disrespect to all the Commodores whatsoever, but I think Florida gets back on track, beats this Vanderbilt team. It's homecoming. There's going to be 90,000 in the stands who have returned. I, I don't think you're going to see a disappointing Florida loss, and I'm picking this one. To go thirty to seventeen, Florida. I think that the Gators do what they have to do on offense. I think Montreal Johnson has a good game against a defense that I think he's quite familiar in seeing. And this is one that you know, you know, from a scheme standpoint, Florida. I think that they will do well against. Um, and I think that Ricky Pearsall, Florida's most targeted wide receiver. I think we see potentially some f- more four wide receiver sets. I've heard people talk about a call for that to get. Florida's offense a little more potency. I, I think that we will start to see some more of that stuff potentially. I, You've got some freshmen on the field that with potentially the return of Eugene Wilson, who did miss the game against Kentucky last week, but should be ready to go by this week. That is a chance for you to be more explosive. And I think that Florida hits 30 points and beats the doors. Jacob, how are you seeing this one unfold?
2: Yeah, I have a couple predictions here. I first will say my score, uh, and that is 37 17 Gators. Uh, I will also add for those of you who are gamblers listening to this podcast, it is an 18 and a half point spread. So I do have Florida covering uh, 52 on the over under. So I have the over and a Florida cover uh, with 37 17. I will also add these things I am predicting that Florida cover- it completes at least. Two turnovers in this game. I think the Florida defense has its best turnover game of the season. I don't know if they're going to be picks. I don't know if they're going to be fumbles. But I'm going to say at least two turnovers generated by the Florida defense. At least one long explosive pass play touchdown in which Florida goes over, we'll call it 30 yards for a score. Uh, I think that that will will open up. And then I'm going to say three field goals for the Gators in this one. Again, 37-17, Gators win.
1: Trace smackaroos. Jacob has predicted for the Gators to win big over the doors. That is quite a bold prediction, Jacob. Pick in Florida to cover. I have told you time and time again that that's something I'm a little bit skeptical about still of a Billy Napier coach football team. I would love to be proven wrong and eat some humble pie, some crow, like I did last week. You'll have to find out next week on the Swamp 247 podcast, if that's going to happen, or if Jacob and I are correct in our predictions that the Gators get a big double-digit win over the doors. This has been another episode of the Swamp 247 podcast. I'm Graham Hall, joined by Jacob Rudner. We'll see you next time.